0: Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host, Harry Carademus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This is the second part of my conversation with CEO and Managing Director of Samet Group, Alan Samet. In this episode, we discuss the transition of Summit homes into Summit developments and the evolution into Summit Group. We also discuss some of Summit Group's upcoming projects and how they're positioned to elevate the lives of not just the people that buy into their projects, but also the wider communities within which their developments sit. I hope you enjoy it. So
1: let's talk about the building of Salmon Developments, and specifically I wanted to talk about setting yourself apart from competition. So you mentioned design elements like big balconies and the focus on quality. So what were some of the early projects that had your ethos and your brand and and what were some of the quality elements that went into it which set you apart?
2: I think it started really at the very beginning like I said to you with the Salmon Homes side to it where we wanted to set ourselves apart from the other project home builders and You know, when I say that I'm talking the mastodons and volume, volume builders. When it came into Summit Developments, and like I said to you, what set ourselves apart at those early stages of Summit Developments was that we were builders first, so we understood building and understood all the nuances that come with being a builder. That gave us an insight into controlling development and not just being a developer or an entrepreneur in in that sense. But from the early stages of summit developments, our townhouses and villas, they were always oversized. I always tried to include in them a separate living area. That was one of the things that carried on through summit developments and is still a big part of our design ethos with SAMAC Group is oversized apartment living and back then oversized townhouse and villa living. with always try and offer a separate powder room, large balconies or outdoor spaces, separate media room. Our buyers were generally retired people and downsizers, so always thought with them, what would you want? You'd probably want two separate living areas. You might be living with your partner for... Many a long time, and mm. someone wants to watch one thing, and someone wants the other. So the two or them as being grandparents in that stage and being in that babysitting role, they could have the kids over babysitting and and or grandkids babysitting, I should say, and they could put them in a separate media room and let them play games or watch cartoons or the like, while they still had their own separate living room and a bit of normality while they were doing that, living in an apartment or or a townhouse. And I think the biggest part to it was never compromising on the quality.
1: Materiality. Materiality.
2: When we were even doing Summit Homes, Seabust Home Automation first came into Australia and it was brought in by Clipsal and we were the first home to actually adopt a home automation technology trial into one of our homes. Oh, really? With CBUS and and through Summit Developments, every one of our developments when we went into multi-res. So for the last 20 years, we offer full home automation in all of our developments. We offer blinds and curtains to all our developments as, Mm -hmm. as well. I like to make sure that, you know, even when viewed from the outside, that there is uniformity. And the other part, and you'll see when you look at our, at our multi-res buildings is the greenery. We actually put a lot of effort into the landscaping, not just the surrounding landscaping, but planter boxes on the levels that yeah. drape the building and soften the building. It's become a level of expectancy with the Summit brand that that people do look for and gravitate to, and yeah. it's also something that I love to do. So the design part of it would always look to push the envelope, would always try and stay a step ahead of what the marketplace has out there, be a bit innovative in the design, the delivery, and the quality that yeah. we we're offering. Yeah, obviously choosing the right locations and sites.
1: Being able to design something and aspire to having it is definitely one thing. Actually being able to deliver it and make sure that you do is is always another. So I'm just wondering, how did you make sure that you didn't get to a point where you thought, oh, actually we can't do this? Because that would be a disaster, right?
2: We always spent more building than what we should have. It wasn't about chasing the dollar, basically. John and I always had that mindset from the beginning. I got into an industry that I just loved. I love delivering, I love leaving a legacy and someone enjoying a place to to live in that. So if it meant that we had to spend more to achieve the outcome that was set out at the beginning, that's what we would do. We would never compromise. It can be painful, but it was about a brand building as well and a belief in our brand. Our brand does hold a strong belief in deliverability and deliverability of quality. And that was just something that we would just never compromise on. Being a builder was a double-edged sword because you couldn't really control your variations because you just go ahead and and build them instead of a builder coming to you and you had to sign it off and go, well, what's that going to do to our bottom end? Transitioning into being just a developer, I think the building side of it has helped understand what the builder that's going to be delivering your project needs to do to achieve it, the fact that we were builders and we wouldn't compromise on what we were delivered. My dad always always used to say to me, your client is always right. Even if you think he's not right, he's always right. Yeah. So i just make sure that the client got what they expected and and were paying for.
1: Just wondering, do you find it hard now that you're a Samut group and a developer that is it hard to relinquish construction control where you think, oh could possibly do it this way and
2: it is hard i'm a little bit of a control freak so on that sense it is a bit hard but no look honestly taking a step back from the construction side of it has allowed us to focus more on the development side and expand that development side of the business the building side of it did constrain number one our ability to expand in development, but also to expand in areas as well. So having those shackles untied was of great benefit to us then evolving into Samut Group and just becoming developers and, and not builders. On the fact of letting go, look, at the moment I'm partnering up with some amazing builders and the number one being multiplex you know, one of the world's biggest players, and definitely Australia's biggest builder, probably one of the most synonymous names in building that they, they built Wembley Stadium. They're building a project for me is quite surreal, yeah. and we're having a you know a fantastic uh, association with each other at the moment, and. They actually wanted the brand with our brand, and the project that they are building is the one on the Gold Coast for us. And they saw that as being earmarked as being the best residential offering that was going to come on the Gold Coast. And they they did want to be a part of it for their brand. Not saying that they don't have a brand, yep. mind you. Multiplex have a have a, have a have a huge brand, but they really wanted to partner with us on that. Being involved with a tier one builder and going through now a construction of a high rise building and a whole different building uh, me- mythology on on the way that you approach construction, I'm learning every day and I'm loving it. it's, yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> it's yeah. a new
1: lease. Yeah, it's <laughs>
2: awesome. It's a new lease on life. Yeah. It's exciting. And look, I, I think that's what our industry offers people. Every day is a different day. I wake up every day not knowing what today is going to be. Look, if I was to put my role down in a nutshell, I'm a problem solver. Every day is going to throw me... 200 problems and someone has to be responsible for making those decisions on those problems and I think my journey through what I've just told you has allowed me to be confident enough to make those decisions on on the spot it's one thing that multiplex actually did bring up with us in 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 the meeting was our ability to make design decisions and value management decisions on the spot knowing it so intricately and I think that is an important part to it if I may because we're so involved in the design process and understanding the building process that we know every part of the development with the love of what we do I believe that that's where you can be successful if you love what you do you can get up in the morning and you love that don't get me wrong it's stressful (laughs) and it does have days where you just Put your hand in your head and you go what am i doing yeah. but the love of what 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 i do i think if you would love what you do it brings success and it brings rewards and they might be monetary rewards they may be heartfelt rewards when you talk about what i have done my mum still lives in one of my buildings my brother lives in one of my buildings i've lived in a number of my buildings and i live within a kilometer of most of my buildings so I bump into clients and that every day and so does my mum and, and my brother and we're able to hold our head up high and and you know people walk up to us every day and thank us and it That is my reward. The rest follows from that. They tell my mum every day, and God bless her, she's just, um, she goes, oh, you won't believe what they told me today about you. And it's lovely.
1: That's a proper legacy, isn't it? It is. It is. It's
2: fantastic, actually. That's something else if I can just touch on, being in that downsizer market. So especially now at the moment, like, the world has changed and our product is not really an investor-driven stock it is an owner-occupier stock and anyone that's thinking about developing or getting into the, the market and, and all, all of that and this is where a brand does help and we were able to organically build that brand through the process that i just told you about but the people that are buying for us it's usually their last purchase they're at an age there where they're taking a big step to buy off the plan. Like they're they're going to buy something off the plan that might be two, three years away from completion. Uh, So they don't know, number one, am I going to be around? Number two, what's the world going to be like then? Number three, when do I sell my house that I'm in? So it is a lot of hand-holding to get those people to come across. And I think... That personal approach that we do offer, the fact that our name, Samet, is on our business, something I might have changed a long time ago, yep. but it is my brand and that now. But I think it actually does have its benefits that I know all of my buyers, all of my clients. I deal with them personally. They know me. I have a personal relationship. And that gets them across the line and it gives them the confidence. And, and it is a lot of hand-holding. But it also gets me to know them and makes me understand then more so obviously the deliverance of my product is going to be a better end product be- because of that it's probably tailored isn't it it's tailored yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely and but
1: it's not, not just for the product it's the it's the process that allows them to transition into something that they've bought yeah which-
2: yeah yeah and i take them on that journey mm-hmm. and i let them be involved in that journey and that i mean look for for 95% of it their biggest investment in life and their biggest decision that they have to make in their life Mm -hmm. at that stage of their life. I'm not talking about a business decision, but it is a life-changing decision and a legacy for either their families and kids and inheritances and everything. So, yeah, it's a big decision.
1: Let's talk a bit more about Summit Group. So, again, this is an evolution of Summit Developments. What's been involved in the process
2: I can put it into one word, Julian. Julian, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) My son, God bless him, he's come along and joined the business and I thank my brother for letting him come into a business that was my brother and I and um, accept him in that role and then obviously let him bring this youth and enthusiasm and, and a different mindset to our business and allowing him to put ideas in front of us and exploring and developing those ideas and taking them on board or pushing them inside and has been invigorating and it's created a whole new lease of life and started the Samac group rebranding and started our diversification into other aspects of business besides just being a developer yeah. all linked to developing and all linked to lifestyle and all linked to an elevated lifestyle and i think that's what julian was trying to put to us that we've got an elevated brand why not take on that with your developments and offer that elevated brand in other elements of people's lives and that being hospitality, that being restaurants and retail, that being commercial premises. It's 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 been an amazing few years and an unbelievable growth in our business and a lot of that had to do with us shutting down the construction side to it to allow us to focus more on the other side. But also we partnered up with some key joint venture partners who has allowed and believed in our brand and given us the capital and the funding to be able to pursue these amazing projects that we do have on right now and allow us to have that autonomy in the design and the delivery of that because they trusted investing with us.
1: Do you mind talking about some of the landmark projects that you guys have got yeah. going? Because they're ones that benefit more than just the people that buy into them. Exactly. It's just a community building.
2: Our projects range in size and price. We're doing a pure beachfront duplex at the moment, so there's only two in there, and they're 8 million plus per apartment to one on that has 112 apartments. One of our branding We've always always used a one-word syllable to name our projects. So at the moment we've got one named C that's under construction. We've got another named SALT that's under construction. We've got another name Work, which is a commercial building. We also have a key landmark one in Cronulla, which will be the first one I'll talk about, which is called Park. And that's on the southern end of Cronulla Mall. And that followed from the success of Bank, which is where we're sitting right now which has completely reinvigorated dining and lifestyle expectancy and precinct of Cronulla. And has brought in some amazing operators into Cronulla not just in my buildings, but also in other retail outlets in Konala. So Bank is in the middle of Cunhala Mall and it's really cemented that and rejuvenated that part of it. Yeah. That led us to Park and Park is situated right on Conala Station at the southern end of the mall, like I said, and it overlooks Munro Park, hence the name Park. We designed there a seven-storey commercial building and the idea behind that which again hasn't been done in Cronulla for 20 plus years being a commercial building everyone's just done residential. We're putting a two-level hospitality pub in there, and that is going to be only the second pub in Cronulla, which is...
1: I still find that. (laughs) I know,
2: (laughs) for a beachside suburb. Look, it hasn't been without controversy. And look, as a developer, you're always going to have controversy. Fortunately, they are the minority, the ones that object. I know wholeheartedly that most people do respect what we are bringing to the suburb and bringing to the area and not just Quinulla, but now obviously expanding that elsewhere. But with Park, we also saw the need for Quinulla to have more of a daytime economy to support all the other retail outlets in Cronulla. So we decided on not having that as a residential building and we went through a rezoning planning proposal on that to make it a commercial building. And... And that pretty much sold out within two weeks of not even listing it, that whole building. And that's the whole COVID mindset as well. You know, it, it offers a lifestyle for its occupants, the people that have purchased in there, whether they be investors or owner occupiers for their own business. To work close to home, mm. to work with a lifestyle, to swim during lunch, to walk out the door and eat, do all of that, and not have to spend so much time travelling. And you can work remotely mm. and that now. So that's Park on the southern end of the mall. And the other one I think you might be alluding to would be View, which is on the northern end of the right. mall. That's that's an amazing opportunity and development. And the amalgamation of that site with Highland Property Group was no mean feat. It, it's been looked at by developers for over 20 years. It had so many moving parts to it owners, landlords, tenants. It was a very dynamic site to put together. Mm. It would be the biggest offering in Cronulla since, I think, 1997 was the last one. And this, yeah, okay. as a mixed use development, we went straight out with the idea of providing a full line supermarket. So, the ground floor predominantly on this is dominated by harris farm so we're bringing harris farm to Cronulla and that is a game changer in, yes. in itself not only just the first full line supermarket in Cronulla but harris farm i think is an elevated product again that we are bringing to Cronulla and with their produce and fresh produce and working with the harris brothers has just been Outstanding again, another family business and not a corporate. The offering that they're going to bring in here with Sydney's biggest store uh, is going to be outstanding for Cronulla. But it's also anchored and cemented my development there. So that development is a pure lifestyle offering. There's 112 apartments in there from ones, twos, and threes. So I'm offering my product now in Cronulla at a more affordable price bracket because there is volume in that there. There's gym, uh, wellness facilities, bars, ice baths, saunas. There's also a commercial precinct underneath that as well, which is again, just gone, sold gangbusters. We're actually launching VIEW today Pre-launch, we've sold quite a lot in there to people knowing of our application and our local network. Yeah, it's another key addition to Cronulla and something that will also not only have Harris Farm in there but other retail outlets Mm. down the bottom and that's going to anchor the northern side of the the mall and park on the southern side of the mall. It's linking the entire mall up and and council are going through a whole rejuvenation and revamping of the mall and that now and and through contribution and all of that from ourselves and working with the council, it's happening on a faster timeline than it would have and it's just another benefit for, for all of the locals in that here. Council sees my honesty and sincere approach to bettering the shire and the community. I'm yep. not here for one job and running and, look, don't get me wrong, there's no favours. Everything is a hard slog. Getting any developments through and approvals through is a very complex part of developing, but it's just another challenge that you have to be prepared and go through. So there's no favours there by council, but but there is an acknowledgement with council that I am working with them to achieve the right outcome for yep. the area. And, and and I'm talking not just Cronulla, but the broader Shire, and to bring businesses and economy and into the Shire and supporting all the other businesses, businesses as well.
1: I was just thinking when you mentioned the amalgamation of the sites for view. When you think about small shopping strips, it's incredibly difficult. Just owner communication, owner expectations. It, it, it's, it's hard. Complex. It yeah. is.
2: It is very hard.
1: It has a hypothesis that that's probably why you know suburban shopping strips just end up looking quite drab. Uh, it is true. They just don't. They just don't have the ability to be recycled and to get a new lease of life. It's just incredibly difficult. Incredibly
2: difficult. Yeah, it is. And look, you're dealing with so many complexities. Obviously, personalities. That's first and <laughs> Number foremost. One, yeah. The legacy of the property that they own. Yeah. Is it is it a generational thing? Do they want to keep it in the family? Are they ever going to be interested to sell? Expectation yeah. is another thing, you know, that makes the project unfeasible. Yeah. It is it is very difficult. And like I said, on this one, we had tenants with long tenures yeah. on their leases left in there that had to be bought out of their leases and that as well. So that there was over 20 years, developers have been trying to amalgamate that site. But I think, again, like what I said to you in regards to the way I approach all of the people that purchase into my developments, I approached all of the people that I was trying to amalgamate the site with. And it was more of a personal approach and an approach to be able to listen to them. And listen as to why they wanted it or why they didn't want to sell it and just work in with them. I mean, if you can't get them all on board, there is no deal. So you have to of be course. flexible. And I always put it to them like this, it's a partnership. They have to win and you have to win. If one wins and the other one doesn't, doesn't there is no deal. So you yeah. always have to be prepared to compromise and find that happy middle ground that you're going to be comfortable and making it work with.
1: Now in terms of getting the best out of your design teams, how do you make that so you've got an incredible site that you can still not achieve the best outcome? What's your, some of your key ways in which you energise your team to get you the best?
2: That's a really, that's <laughs> a really good question. <laughs> and without sounding cocky and all of that, I, somehow when I see a site or get a vision for it straight away and before I even do numbers and in my mind what the possibilities are when I do sit down with architects generally first go I allow them to express their own architectural thought process beyond it I'll obviously brief them on you know what we need to achieve what I see how the precinct is going to work the size of what I want to offer, like if they're large apartments or they're ones, twos and threes. or. But I allow the architect first to have the first crack but then the fun begins with, with me. I, I've, I've got a real detailed eye and I love living that project on plan so I work through every single corner, room, road, bathroom and think of it if I were living at what I do and that sketch after sketch and that working together with the architect and allowing that free flow of his thoughts and my thoughts to work together then delivers that end product which I think is one thing that does step us above
1: Well, let's get into some of your reflections on the development industry and looking into the future. Looking back over your years, what what do you see as some of the things that have perhaps regrettably been lost, but in the same vein, what are some of the things, some of the positive changes that you see in the industry?
2: I think the biggest problem that we do have in New South Wales, and I've seen this with my development that I'm doing on the Gold Coast, is our planning laws here. Developers get tarred as being the cause of traffic, the cause of congestion, the cause of overshadowing and all of those things and and that where really it isn't. I mean, it's all about infrastructure that should be able to cope with the developments that are suitable for for the project. So I think planning in that stage has failed developments and developers, but I think New South Wales tick-all-the-boxes approach to assessment is archaic and wrong and what that does do is number one the town planners that work at council that have studied all their lives just become box tickers and they can't actually make constructive proactive town planning decision based on good design by making developers have to constrain to these tight requirements and tick all these boxes developers then look at way of cutting costs and that will be in the design of the building that will be in the quality of the building because it is hard to make sites feasible, it's hard to get funding, it's hard to get backing, and it's hard to put your life on the line with a with development. And I think that system here, where projects don't have some sort of merit-based assessment, is lacking. And you see that in in Melbourne has beautiful design buildings and Queensland has beautiful design buildings. And look, a lot of people say we don't want a Gold Coast here. And I'm not talking just Gold Coast, but even Brisbane City, I mean, Mm. their buildings and all that, they have a lot of real good design element and their apartments and and all of that. But uh, New South Wales here and Sydney in particular with the uh, assessment process here, and the time factor that it does take to assess developments here is a real pitfall to our industry and it doesn't allow for good developments. On the positive side, development, now you need to be savvy, you need to be ahead of the game. I think developers are seeing a benefit in good design and that now and that whole mindset is changing. We're going through a, a major shift in our industry at the moment as I think or the press has noted out, with the cost of construction throughout the country and the sharp rise in that and the effect that that has had to builders and developers it has been catastrophic in, in a lot of senses, as well as now the cost of money and the ability to raise funds. It's seen a major, major shift in the development industry now at the moment. Yeah, I think now that the whole development industry is in for a, a major reshuffle to be able to survive this next evolution yeah. that we're hopefully at the bottom of and seeing
1: an upside ahead of us in that soon. You're thinking maybe changes in the way construction gets delivered as well contractually and
2: well, in mean, common sense doesn't often prevail. <laughs> yeah, and then and the last thing any developer. Or homeowner would want was, would be to see their builder go mm. broke. And builders working under a fixed lump sum contract, it's a hard gig because you know they might have signed that contract two years ago, and everyone knows what's happened with construction costs and labour costs in the last year. And and to expect the builder to have to cover that or suffer from that. Like I said, when I talked about amalgamating sites and that, there has to be a partnership between a builder and a developer and that as well, and you have to find a happy compromise and work your way through tough times as well as good times, and it's a partnership that has to work on both ends.
1: Let's talk about personal reflections. You mentioned sometimes you do things for different reasons, whether it's achievement or financial, whatever that might be, but in terms of what Samut Group has allowed you to fulfil in your life, what would you say that would be?
2: Summit Group now, I think the diversification part to it, and if I can elaborate on that, it's not just in the diversification of our business that we, we do have. I've got to bring up Coast on the Gold Coast, which for me is a culmination of everything I've wanted to do as a builder and a developer, even though I'm not building that. This teaming up with Multiplex, finding a beachfront site on one of the most iconic beachfronts in the world, not just Australia, and a pure beachfront site that is so individual from all other beachfront sites. And again, we took on the amalgamation of that site with 30-unit owners ourselves. That in itself was an achievement, and, Mm -hmm. and many developers had tried that beforehand. To be able to go there in Queensland, and this is like something that a builder or a developer could ever dream about, but a site with no height restriction or, 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 or density things, and I just put my hands in their hair and said, "Oh my God, where are we going to go with this?" But then, coming back to a balance and coming back to the core of my business and that, and scaling it back to something that I still believe would become a boutique development, and building this tower on this beachfront is definitely the highlight of my career because the relaxed way that um, assessment is approached and the price that I can sell for has allowed me to put everything I've ever wanted to in one project and it's outstanding and now to be a part of it and to see it come to fruition with Multiplex is, is just fantastic. The other part to that, the diversification part, bought a marina now and that's going to be developed into a hospitality precinct that services the port hacking. So on the port hacking down here, if you're on a boat, you you can't get food, you're lucky to buy a pack of chips and maybe a bottle of water. Mm -hmm. on the hacking, but we want to offer a service and a hospitality precinct down on the water. We've teamed up with the grounds. We're going to bring them to Cronulla. They're going to put this hospitality precinct down there at Cronulla Marina. We've rebranded that Calico Marina, which is amazing, the offering that we are partnering up with them and bringing to Cronulla. And again, just another bonus. So becoming Samic Group and just allowing us to expand our wings that little bit more offer, more to community in general in a sense and not just the locals is extremely fulfilling and, and exciting.
1: I think what's amazing is that there's just hasn't seemed to be a let-up. You can almost ask yourself, well, what's next? It just seems to be this constant progression of doing better and better and better things and you kind of go, well.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, what's- yeah, yeah, what's next? <laughs> I don't know that the right thing will be what's next and yeah. I've always approached it. So I don't chase anything. Yeah. For some reason I'll go with, with a gut and a heart instinct and that's how I approach every day. Look I could write down any feasibility that anyone wants make anything look as good or as bad as you wanted to see but you have to believe in yourself first and foremost if you're going to take on yourself as being a developer because you really have to back yourself in every sense of the word what comes next look at the moment it is a different environment our key focus now is the deliverance of the projects that we do have we've got a pipeline of around a billion dollars worth of projects at the moment. And that is just a number that I can't even fathom in my own mind. It's amazing to have this opportunity and to be partnered up with the likes of Alsi and, and who are our major partners, uh, joint venture partners, them believing in, in us and backing us. And if I bring the right project to them, again, I'm, I know they'll be there at our side, but now it's a matter of delivering to my clients, delivering to my partners, and delivering the projects that we do have, especially with the times that we now find ourselves in.
1: Oh, Amazing, Alan. Well, look, I cannot thank you enough for speaking with me today and I wish you all the best with these uh, with these projects that you've got coming up. I'm sure they'll be absolutely stellar and I'm looking forward to walking through them one day. So. Yeah,
2: it'll be my pleasure. I'd love to get you back <laughs> and, um, and give you a tour and thank you for taking the time and signalling me out and allowing me to tell the story of my family and my family's business and, and the evolution of Summit into summit group
0: this is the end of the episode i hope you've enjoyed listening to alan and the amazing journey of summit group i mentioned this at the beginning as well but what i loved most about my conversation with alan was his humbleness and humility given what the summit family has achieved over the past 40 years the other aspect was his steadfast and uncompromising focus on quality. At a time when the industry is going through a major shakeup in the Class 2 space, it is both inspiring and uplifting to hear stories about developers doing it well and leaving a wonderful legacy of buildings in our urban landscape. Alan, it was an absolute pleasure to speak with you and a definite highlight of mine for this podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please take a second to rate this podcast on your favourite listening platform. As always, I very much appreciate your support. Well, that's it from me for this month. I'd like to thank you again for tuning in, and I look forward to sharing the next month's episode with you very shortly. Take care, and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.